Welcome to MH Business Exchange. I'm Mike Witzke, your host, and with me today is Alan Berger. Alan is a member in our business department with over 30 years of business and business litigation experience. Uh, Alan, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. It's great to be here. I hope everybody's staying safe. Well, yeah, it's certainly interesting times. Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about business litigation and, and some of the questions I think that most clients would have uh, when they're faced with a, a litigation matter. And um, and I know, Alan, with 30 years of, of doing this, I, I, you've got to expect that one of the first questions that most clients have in their mind if they're facing a litigation matter is how much will this cost? How do you answer that question? Well, that's a, a multifaceted answer, and, and, and I sometimes call it, quote, the lawyer's answer. And, and that's because it's, it's a little bit hard to pin down with exactness. Um, while we do have metrics that can give you an idea, there are things that impact what the exact or, or even being able to give a ballpark of the, of the cost of a um, piece of litigation. So I always boil it down into different buckets. And um, those buckets, the first bucket is the opposing party. Um, so I try to get as much information from our client or prospective client about the opposing party. Who is the opposing party? What's the constituency? Why is the opposing party bringing this action or lawsuit? Or, or why do you want to bring an action or lawsuit against the opposing party? Because knowing your adversary or knowing what you're, what you're up against will impact the, the cost of litigation. For instance, if if the opposing party has a very deep pocket, meaning there's a lot of money to finance the litigation, that litigation will be conducted in a different manner than if the opposing party does not have um, a deep pocket or a lot of money to fund the litigation. So one of the very first things I do is ask the client, the current client or prospective client about, um, tell me about the opposing party and tell me what you think they're going to do in response to being sued, or why is it that they brought this lawsuit against you? Does it matter, Alan, who they hire as their attorney? That have any effect on yes. the cost? Absolutely, absolutely matters. Um, and you can you can see a lot about what you're going to encounter by the opposing side. Sometimes you'll see that the opposing side is from what's typically a contingency lawyer side. Well, a lawyer that is hired on a contingency will act differently and try to do as little as possible in defense um, to the case and might even try to stall it out or cost you as much money as possible, your client as much money as possible. So you look at that. And then the other thing is, frankly, is that I operate in a fairly small world. Um, you'd be surprised how many cases and lawsuits there, there are 50,000 plus lawyers in Florida, but I run up against the same lawyers and law firms over and over again. And so you get a good idea, and I have a good idea, and my partners have a good idea of what to expect from the opposing lawyers as far as tactics and as far as how the litigation is going to run. There are some lawyers and, and law firms where you know as a matter of course that the litigation is going to cost two or three times what it would normally cost because of the way they, they 
they historically have operated in the past and the reputation. There are some lawyers in law firms that are beyond professional, um, work well, play well, and try and, and ensure that the cost for their client is reasonable and, and um, the, the litigation progresses smoothly. Now, sometimes the opposing counsel is um, operating in a manner that its client wants, which is to, to really make it difficult for the adversary. But sometimes it's the um, lawyer, as a matter of practice, um, acting in a way that's consistent with their past history. And I have been able at times to, to tell clients, uh, especially if they've been sued by somebody or a lawyer that I've been up against or know, I've actually told clients not to use me before because I know that the lawyer and I may not get on, um, even though I'm a very reasonable, nice guy, at least I think so. Um, but I know that the lawyer and I don't get on and it'll be more difficult if I'm involved in the case. I've also seen mm -hmm. cases where clients have come to me and they say, well, this is the lawyer um, that's on the other side of this. And I might be, they may have come to me after being involved in some litigation for a little bit saying this has been very difficult and, and I can't figure out why this is difficult. And I've seen instances where the two lawyers have actually sued one another, but our client's current lawyer did not tell his client mm -hmm. that there had been a piece of litigation between the two lawyers. That, of course, runs up the cost. So knowing your adversary and, 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 the, and the practices really, really matter. Yeah. What, what about the courts? Does it matter what court you're in? And how does that affect costs? So, so there are two parts to that kind of question, which is the court itself and then the judges. Um, if you're in federal court, um, you're going to have a, generally going to have a higher cost of litigation because the practice, the rules of practice and procedure in federal court mandate a different type of work. Um, and now this may vary by state as well, because here in Florida, you don't need to brief everything. There's a lot of oral argument. There's a lot of just kind of putting people on notice of things, and that's sufficient. And then you go in and argue it with the judge. But in federal court, there's, there's, there's detailed briefing um, required. Now, one of the other things about federal court is that the cost of litigation may be um, on an expedited time frame, meaning that the federal courts really try to clear their dockets out. And on a piece of civil litigation, unless it's a very complex piece of civil, civil litigation, you're likely in and out in a couple of years. Now, that doesn't mean the work is less during that couple of years. It just means that it's expedited in how it's handled. And so your your what to expect or anticipate as far as billing may be increased or, or expedited. Whereas in state court, that two-year, one or two-year litigation can be four to six years. So you're spreading the load, the financial load out over four to six years. Then you have the court. Um, federal judges are um, oftentimes um, more sophisticated just because they don't get appointed to the federal bench without having more years of being involved as a lawyer or as a lower court trial judge, as a state court trial judge. In, in Florida, at least, judges are, are for the most part elected, which means if you meet the minimum qualifications, you can be a judge. And if you meet the minimum qualifications and are able to get elected, that, then you can be a judge. That means, of course, you get a varying degree of um, experience with the judges. 
And some judges run great courts and some judges don't run great courts. And the net result is that um, some judges, um, you end up with a much higher expense ratio um, for the type of case. So it, it could vary greatly by the court and by the judge as well. So when, when clients are looking at, you know, a litigation matter, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're concerned with cost, they're concerned with um, probably liability, but, but what are some things that most clients don't even consider when they're heading into litigation? Well, well, there's a there's a non-economic component. There's a non-cost dollars and cents component that that well may translate into into lost costs. You don't realize it. Many clients don't realize that they're often paying their lawyer with after-tax money, or they're paying their lawyer with with pre-tax money, but they may not be able to deduct the cost of the lawyer. So they're they're losing that that revenue that might go down to the bottom line isn't being paid out or isn't, isn't part of the profit. In fact, it reduces profit. Then you have the issue of um, the emotional part of it, which is lawsuits are taxing. They're emotionally taxing. Um, you're, the, the, the parties, it's an adversarial system, and the parties are, are doing adversarial things to, to one another in that system. And so there's that emotional component that at times can be very difficult for clients to understand. And then there's the, there's the understanding or lack of understanding that the outcome of that lawsuit is not up to the client unless the client agrees to resolve and settle the case. Otherwise, the judge or the jury decides the outcome of the lawsuit. And I have seen instances where I have won cases that I shouldn't have won. And thankfully, there's a lot more of those than what I'm about to say. And I have seen instances where I have not won, where um, I think I should have won. So there is that component of the, of the unsurety, the insecurity of being involved in a lawsuit. And so finally, there's the notion of, it may be that it, you need to understand that, that every hour or every minute that's spent dealing with a lawsuit means that you're not dealing with your prime business, unless of course your business is being in lawsuits. But if you're dealing with lawyers in a lawsuit and the implications of a lawsuit, you're not able to maximize or efficiently deal with your underlying business. And so there's that component of I'm spending time in my lawsuit and I'm losing out on profit, profit opportunities and profit abilities. So those are things um, that clients um, sometimes lose track of and um, may not be efficient with respect to being involved in lawsuits. And you, you, know, you talk about you know, kind of taking your eyes away from your business or maybe, you know, some costs associated with that. What about taxes? Do taxes play into litigation as well as to how this case may be settled or resolved? Yeah, taxes, taxes and tax implications should be thought of both at the beginning of the lawsuit and how to structure the claims um, and causes of action, and also at the end of the lawsuit. Because there are ways to, at, in, at times, there are ways to structure a 
um, a settlement or um, claims that that are very tax efficient. And if you do that, and you can you can help your client um, avoid the income tax problem that might exist or might be preventing a settlement. So anytime that I that I um, that I'm involved in a, in a case and we're, we're looking at things and there's a taxable and a non-taxable way um, to frame claims or causes of action or settlement, we always consider those and we always discuss those with, um, with client because frankly, most clients want to do things in a tax efficient manner. Some clients don't necessarily let the tax or tax implications drive, um, drive um, things. But I will tell you that I have been involved in some cases where because we were able to um, really efficiently structure the settlement and really efficiently structure the, the complaint going, going into the lawsuit, um, we were able to resolve the case for um, what, what was on the, on the party that was paying less money than they wanted to pay. And then the party that was getting paid, it worked out fine because of the tax efficiency of the, of the settlement. So that's something that should always be looked at. And I know, Alan, in my experience, when I've talked to clients about litigation matters, typically when they're, they first come in, I mean, they're seeing it, you know, from, you know, from their view of, of the facts, of the circumstances. And typically, um, as the case progresses, that, that whole view can change. Can you talk about kind of being objective in, in, in reviewing whether or not to go forward with litigation? So it's, it's interesting. Um, the answer is yes. I mean, what my job is is to understand the client's understand the client's subjective position and try to put a an objective eye. You know, it, it is it is important for me to be able to evaluate the circumstances of where everything is from the beginning, in the middle, and at the end and try to give the client a fair and balanced idea of how this is going to come out or whether they need to settle or, or what's going to happen. I will tell you the, the um, classic example is, and it has happened very recently, um, had a client that really believed that a specific witness was going to testify favorably for him. And one of the, one of my jobs of getting ready for litigation or getting ready for, um, uh, mediation or, or arbitration is to interview witnesses. So I called up this very important witness and I, and I asked flat out, you know, tell me your position and tell me what happened. And, and that witness did that. And it wasn't favorable to our client. Mm. And the net result was that, that I was able to objectively tell the client, listen, your view of what happened and what this witness is going to say was not accurate. You, you you read the witness wrong. Let's sit down and figure out how to how to work this out. And that's what was done. Um, so it's very important for me to be an objective filter of the of both sides and um, try to not only talk to my client about that, but also talk to the other side and the other side's lawyer about that, so that objectivity can ensure that the process is fair and reasonable and result and the result is fair and reasonable given the facts viewed in an objective lens and um you know that that's part of my job 
Yeah. And, and, and speaking of fair and reasonable, this may not be a fair and reasonable question, but you know, how do you answer the question of a client when he says, what are my chances? And I always, I, I, I always tell him, look, um, and I, and again, it's the lawyer's answer. I said, as we sit here now, th- this is what, this is what I would consider. And we go through the factors that we just outlined on this call. And then I always tell them the, the same thing, which is the only way that I can absolutely guarantee you a result is to figure out a way to resolve this case, to settle it, or to resolve the dispute. Then you know what the result is going to be, and you know what it's going to cost short-term and long-term. But I always try to, to tell the client, based on what I know today, and the totality of all these things coming together, this is what I think is going to happen. But I, it's very difficult to predict the totality or the circumstances over time with what occurs during the course of litigation. It may be that, that the judge changes. It may be that the, the other side changes lawyers. The bottom line is, that we try to do an objective evaluation and that objective evaluation changes over time given the facts that are uncovered. And then we always constantly update um, that objective evaluation with the client and try to figure out a way to get the client to be productive in the client's business versus being productive and spending money on lawyers. And while being productive and spending money on lawyers is great for, for, the lawyers and the law firm, it really is inefficient, inefficient use of the of the client's resources, and so that's what I do when I when I'm asked the question, what are my chances? And I tell them, I'll give you the lawyer's answer, and we'll reevaluate it um, in 60 days, 90 days. You tell me how often you want to reevaluate the what are my chances question. Well, Alan, uh, thanks for being with us today. And I also want to thank all of our listeners and, and direct them to our, our website, mcdonaldhopkins.com, where you'll find more information on this topic and an awful lot of others. So, uh, again, Alan, thank you. And uh, thanks to everybody else. Thanks for having me. Everybody be safe.